Hello, g'day, welcome to Party in China, Series 2, Episode 21. I'm Party Parslow, and in this episode, everything gets worse. And then, surprisingly, better. I was very happy at Aston's school and fairly happy in Ganyu. Of course, there were the usual problems with being the local illiterate imbecile and the constant subject of staring, pointing and amateur paparazzi. But my biggest problem was being made to teach at the horrible Ganyu Foreign Languages School also known as GFLS. Well, there was one other even bigger problem, but I won't know about that for another couple of paragraphs. GFLS was everything I had disliked about DFLS, but even more so. A huge school with even more outrageous class sizes, 60 or 70 pupils. But at least in Diang, even though they randomly changed the roster without telling me, they only changed the times. I still saw the same students every week. I just rarely knew precisely when that would occur. At GFLS, I'd walk into the tiny cold room that had been turned into a foreign teacher's office by putting a kettle on one of the desks and be handed a roster for that day, and that day only. As it was never the same twice, it's entirely possible that I saw some classes for one 40-minute lesson, just once and never again. Completely pointless. Even if I'd had a regular roster, it would still have been a total waste of time to try and teach anything to such a huge class without the necessary one-on-one interaction, conversations, corrections, individual assistance and advice. However, just to make sure that absolutely nobody could possibly learn a bloody thing from me, we were all told that we had to reach the end of the Aston textbook by the end of that term. So we now had to teach two and sometimes three lessons in a single period. The stupidity and futility of the whole exercise had left me confused, angry, and feeling like my time and talents were being deliberately misused. So my state of mind was not good, but even I didn't expect this next bit. Oh, this is the uh, bigger problem that I mentioned before. There was a new craze, sweeping GFLS. A simple game, heaps of fun. Anybody could do it. You just got your group of friends together and then one of you would walk up to the English teacher and yell, your mother. Now, this is going to happen quite a lot. So to save my producer from getting RSI in his bleeping finger, I'll substitute flick. There were variations to the new game. I would soon be told to flick myself, flick my father, flick my family, and more. But again, I didn't know that yet. 
This first time it happened, the senior was right in front of me when he yelled, Flit your mother! And I hit him. Purely a reaction, no thought involved, just a backhander, not all that hard really. And kept walking, leaving him on his ass in the playground amid his stunned, but delighted, entourage. Now I wonder if some older kid had told him that flick your mother meant good morning teacher or something. But at the time, I just put it down to one of the many incomprehensible things that would happen to me that day. I didn't think about it, worry about it, or even talk about it much. I did tell Ronna, who was handing out the rosters that morning. She said I must not have heard him right. Ah, yes, I did. And then asked me if I'd like to go to Monkey Mountain. Ronna had seen how taking me to Shanghai had really cheered me up, if only temporarily. So nearby, Monkey Mountain was her next plan to boost my morale. She explained that it was the birthplace of the Monkey King, who had taken the Buddhist monk, Tripitaka, to India to bring back sacred scriptures. But I interrupted her, and I interrupted her in song. Born from an egg on a mountain top, the funkiest monkey that ever popped. Monkey magic, monkey magic, monkey magic, monkey magic. As you'd expect, Ronna wasn't quite sure what to make of that. She couldn't have known that I'd been a massive fan of the late 70s Japanese kids show, Monkey. And I was far from the only one. All my allegedly grown-up friends were as well. And all over Australia, playgrounds were full of kids shouting, Monkey Magic! and bashing each other with broom handles while impersonating Monkey, Tripitaka, Sandy, Piggy and more. In China, of course, it's not just an old TV show, it's a beloved, enduring legend, and there are any number of cartoons based on it. Mr. Wong's boss, Mr. Liu, had a complete set of action figures stuck on his dashboard. He'd been quite surprised when I knew them all as well. And in recent years on the big screen, there's been The Monkey King in 2014. The Monkey King, Hero is back in 2015, plus a couple in 2016. Monkey King, The Legend Begins, and Monkey King 2. What? How does that work? And back in 1994, Spanking the Monkey. <laughs> no, I think that might be about something else. Ronna was very pleased with my enthusiasm for her suggested excursion. She explained that I'd be piggybacking on a trip with her and her sister's family, but they were happy for me to tag along and she'd let me know when. Oh, I impatiently waited. And then I just waited. And then we never went. Perhaps because our new foreign teacher, Natalie, arrived and Ronna soon spent all of her spare time with that bitch. <laughs> I'm just playing. 
That wasn't why I was jealous of Natalie. No, no, no. I was jealous because she wasn't forced to work at the despised foreign languages school. Summer said it was because GFLS would only accept teachers from a, a native-speaking country. But Natalie was from South Africa. And both Manny the Pakistani and Flo the Frenchman had taught there. Flo had an accent from Allo Allo. And yeah, Manny was from the UK, but none of us foreigners could understand him, so the Chinese never stood a chance. After Summer got rid of Manny, one senior student asked me where the teacher who spoke strange was. Strangely, I automatically corrected him. But I didn't know where Manny had gone. He never even said goodbye. Or if he did, I didn't understand it. One of the many things I preferred about Aston to Sonny's accursed English club was that they lived up to their contract and organised lessons to teach me Chinese. Once a week or fortnight, one of the teachers would sit me down in an empty classroom and we'd work through a lesson they'd prepared. Unfortunately, it was a different teacher each week, so there was no continuity in either style or content. Summer would teach me about public transport one week, then Betty about restaurants the next, then Ronna about familial relationships, and then Amy with the weather or something. It was, you know, confusing. But it was fun, particularly with Betty because we were so friendly and it was more like a flirty chat than a lesson. Each of my teachers confirmed what I already knew. I was terrible at hearing and replicating the tones in Mandarin. Out in the world, I followed Irish John's technique, which was to try each tone in order until the person understood. But in the classroom, I honestly tried to get it right, and I usually failed. There was an occasional random success. As the tone changes the meaning of the word, my mistakes were often absurd or amusing. Instead of saying, the dog chased the cat, I'd say, the tree tickled the dolphin or something. Pretty Betty in particular enjoyed these errors and spent quite a lot of time laughing at me, which was nice. She was very pretty and liked the nickname I'd given her until I'd told her that it was from a tongue twister. Pretty Betty Botter bought a bit of butter to make a butter batter. Bother, said Pretty Betty Botter, this butter's bitter. It has made my butter batter bitter. I better buy a bigger bit of better butter to make my bitter butter batter better. On occasions when I taught a lesson too quickly and we had some time to spare, the kids would ask me to perform that tongue twister for them, but like this. Pretty bitty butter bought a bit of butter to make a butter better butter. Said pretty bitty butter, this butter's bitter. It will make my butter better bitter. I better buy a bigger bit of bitter butter to make my bitter butter better bitter. Which would be greeted with screams of amazement and rounds of applause. When Sean arrived, I liked it when he joined me for a Chinese class, as I was no longer the dunce in the room. One time we had Judy as our tutor. Now, I didn't see Judy much. She mainly worked at the other Aston, the single classroom several blocks away. Right after I came to Gun Yu, she'd undergone laser surgery to remove a mole from her forehead. 
and something amiss had occurred. Instead of what I thought was a perfectly inoffensive black dot, she now had a massive red blotch. Summer asked me not to look at it, so of course I could hardly tear my eyes away. Judy was teaching Sean and I about different dumplings, and I was trying to say, I like dumplings, when her startled eyes told me I'd made a fierce faux pas, and she looked down and away, flustered, shuffled her papers, that sort of thing. Sean and I glanced at each other. This was interesting. But Judy was embarrassed and reluctant to explain. So I said it again, and she yelled at me to stop. I'd intended to say balze. Bao are steamed bread rolls with meat or vegetables inside, and zi is what they call a counting word. Don't ask me, I never really understood it. You know, the smaller dumplings with a thin dough covering crimped at the top and either steamed or fried? They're called jiaozi. And I'd mixed up the two words and said biaza, thus assuring Judy that I liked prostitutes. Apart from her embarrassment, Judy's trouble with explaining was that she didn't know the English word for prostitute. So she said things like, it's a woman in the street, and it's a girl you give money to. When Sean and I still didn't get it, she blushed so red it covered up the laser scar and whispered, six. By George, I think we got it. So the students became the teachers and Sean and I filled the blackboard with words like whore, hooker, call girl, prostitute of course, lady of the night, working girl, streetwalker and more. I had escort, trollop and harlot. Sean had dope whore and crack whore and we were arguing over whether they were synonyms or subcategories when Judy announced that the lesson was over and frantically wiped the blackboard clean before anybody else could see it. As we left, Sean said, at last we finally learned something useful. One day, I received an email from my son, Daniel, catching me up on his latest news from Kyoto, Japan, and casually mentioning that he was getting married in a week or so. Coincidentally, I was either getting my new working visa or being deported in a week or so. Dan didn't actually invite me to the wedding, but I immediately looked into how to travel there and found direct flights from Shanghai to Osaka. And there was a Chinese consulate in Osaka, so I asked Summer to send me there for the paperwork swap instead of Hong Kong like last time. And she was happy to do it, because now she didn't have to pay for the flights. I did. In the next episode of Party in China, Party in Japan. I'm Party Parsler. Domo Oragato for listening. You've been listening to Party in China. For more, like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. Subscribe to the podcast at Audio Boom, Stitcher, iTunes, or your favorite podcast distributor. This has been another quality podcast production from Bytes.com.